0: Not sure what to make for dinner? Need some inspiration? Mondays and Wednesdays, join Gabriel and his food hero guests on The Dinner Special. And now, here's your host, Gabriel So. Welcome to The Dinner Special. I am Gabriel So and I am so excited to have Aaron Clark of Feed the Pan here on the show today. Aaron is completely obsessed with food. On his blog, Feed the Pan, his goal is to inspire us to learn about food and help us find enjoyment in cooking and entertaining, and to encourage us to make every bite count. Thank you so much for being here today, Aaron. Thank you, Gabriel. I appreciate it. Oh, awesome. Well, I'm super excited to chat with you because you're so open with what you are and what you aren't. Now, you've written that you're not a photographer, you're not a writer, and you're not a chef. Can you share with us why you feel it's important that we know what you aren't? Well, I like to
1: set my expectations for my readers beforehand. I want people to know that when they come to my blog, they're not going to see blow-your-mind photography, poetic writing necessarily right away, That those are things I'm working on. I think it's important to set those expectations because I want people to really get at the meat, if you will, no pun intended there, of the blog and really understand what it's about, and that is uncommon techniques and ingredients.
0: Well, you mentioned that, you know, a lot of blogs today like really focus on having, you know, incredible photography and like, you know, their writing skills are just like off the charts. What was it about having a blog that attracted you? Like why did you decide to start your food blog? Well, it really came down to
1: the evolution of my culinary experience. I started in college really watching a lot of late night Good Eats. The only thing I could find that was really cool at that time, 2, 3 in the morning after studying for finals and things, I'd flip on Good Eats to kind of relax. And, you know, Alton Brown really taught me the finer tuning techniques of cooking that my parents didn't at home. You know, they would cook with me and that's really where the base started, but they didn't explain to me why these things were happening and why they would do them. So, Elton Brown really kind of taught me how to cook, but then, you know, after college, I had a kitchen of my own when I moved out to my first apartment, and I was able to start collecting tools and ingredients and have a good pantry, and I really found that I really like to entertain, so from there, how do I entertain better? Well, learn how to cook better and really work with people, especially other cooks, on how to improve a technique. Well, that evolved into, okay, maybe I should just start an Instagram page and start taking pictures of my food because the first thing you do is look at it. I want it to be a little bit better looking on the plate so that it pleased the eyes and the palate. And then a good friend of ours suggested I start a food blog, and it kind of all ran from there.
0: Now, you you mentioned that your blog is dedicated to uncommon ingredients and techniques. What is an interesting ingredient that you love to cook with that maybe us as home cooks would not use regularly?
1: Sure. And I thought about this a lot today, actually, when I was preparing lunch, anchovy paste. It's subtle. You don't always taste that it's anchovy paste, but it offers a kind of savoriness and umami, if you will to the food you're preparing whether you put together a pasta salad or put it into a spice kind of paste that you rub on a chicken or a steak before you grill it. It's got to be one of my favorites.
0: And is anchovy paste something that you just purchase at the store or is it something that you blend up, like you cook up some anchovies and you blend it up?
1: You can do either. I find it a little bit more convenient. You typically get the same results from buying it in a tube from the store. Typically, it's a product of Spain. So if you go to any Spanish or Latin American, sometimes you'll find it. Food aisle in the grocery. Or if you go to any specialty or international grocery, you'll usually find it there.
0: Okay, cool. I'm definitely going to have to search that out and follow along with what you do with the anchovy paste because I've not heard of it before. So it's an interesting ingredient. Now, is there a cooking technique that may not be as commonly used that we just have to try?
1: I think if it's in your budget to pick one up, pick up an immersion circulator. Sous vide is a type of cooking where you submerge food, vacuum sealed food or food in a plastic bag in a water bath. And you can cook it to a very precise temperature for a very precise amount of time. I would say that's something that everyone should try because it's really convenient. And, you know, it saves, if you're not terribly comfortable in the kitchen with, like, high heat applications or with grilling, it's a great way to really cook expensive cuts of meat very precisely.
0: And does the meat come out with like a different texture than when cooking with like, I mean, obviously, if you pan sear a piece of meat, then it's gonna have a crust on it. But if you sous vide, it probably won't, right?
1: Right, it comes out kind of gray and dull looking. But what you can do is either throw it on the grill, a really hot grill or in a really hot cast iron pan for a few seconds on each side until you develop a nice crust. There's uh, charts and things all over the internet so you can find the ideal temperature for different foods, including vegetables, meats, and everything in between.
0: And it also allows you to I think add some like herbs and like different sort of marinades as well while you cook. Absolutely. You can season the
1: food before you vacuum seal it or put it in your Ziploc bag with olive oil. What I do with steaks is is I put, you know, the traditional basting ingredients that you would do in a pan sear steak, thyme, garlic, and olive oil, and it comes out great. And then I throw it in a pan and sear it.
0: Perfect. Now, you're obsessed with food. Where did this passion come from?
1: I think out of the passion that I have for eating. (laughs) I'm embarrassed to admit, and I think a lot of people would be, that I'm usually hungry all the time, and I'm usually craving something salty and savory. I'm not a big dessert person, but I've really used dessert to enhance the meal at the end. I think my obsession is really based in trying everything out there, all the ingredients I can get my hands on.
0: And would you say that your curiosity for cooking is a natural evolution of your constant hunger and passion for food?
1: I would say that's definitely the case.
0: Now, Today with all the food blogs, YouTube channels, TV shows, cookbooks, and cooking websites, there are so many different ways to learn to cook. How did you learn to cook and continue to learn? Definitely
1: the internet and late night television, that in combination with my parents, at home My mom was always a gardener and always had amazing produce she would bring to the table. And her idea of food was fresh, natural, and right off the plant. While my dad, being an engineer, he would always tinker with things. So if the crock pot broke, he would take it out into the garage, into his workshop, and fix it. So between his technique based cooking and my mom's ingredient based cooking, I would say it really started from there. Then I got more curious and needed to understand the why so the why really comes from in my situation watching a lot of Jacques Pepin on YouTube if Jacques Pepin is on YouTube in any capacity I've probably seen it he's the master of technique and he really explains what to do in certain situations where you're working with different ingredients I think my obsession really comes from working with other chefs as well where you're understanding what they're doing based on what they're showing you hands-on action and you're getting a lot of knowledge through what their experiences are and that's my favorite way to learn
0: right now you write that your mission is to encourage us to make every bite count can you share what you mean by this
1: so what I found is that by putting a little bit of extra effort into anything you put in your mouth through Either just adding a little bit of seasoning or blending up some spices and finishing it with that. Really, I want people to discover every ingredient for its best qualities. So, if you're going to roast a carrot, say, when you make sure and season it correctly, uh, use olive oil and salt. And then, uh, you know, where a lot of people don't really understand, there's a difference between the kosher salt you would use to season something and a finishing salt, say. If you add this finishing salt at the end, it really brings out the carrot for what it is. And that's what I mean by make every bite count, is that uh, do it to its fullest and use what nature gave you at its highest capacity.
0: Right. Now, can you explain the difference between like a salt that you would use to season the carrots before you put it in the oven as opposed to the salt that you use afterwards?
1: Sure. I'm a big fan of kosher salt for seasoning during cooking. I usually throw it in the pan with just about everything, even desserts. Sometimes I'll use other salts for desserts that are a little bit finer than kosher salt, but kosher salt has a little bit of a bigger grain. While a finishing salt, say, flor de sel is probably the most common one, it's not as firm and it's a little bit less dense, so it has a little bit of a crunch to it without giving you too much of a salty flavor. Rather, what it does is enhance the flavor of the food rather than taste salty.
0: Gotcha. Now, on your blog, you list some guidelines for yourself and how you get the most out of your food experiences. How did this list come to be? Well, I guess in
1: cooking big meals and entertaining, it really came from the way that I approach everything from the start of the meal when I go to purchase the ingredients to the end when I'm serving the guests or, you know, bringing their plates out. So it's really a combination of my thought process from beginning to end
0: and you know there's a couple that really sort of hit home for me especially being a home cook and that is to have patience and to not be afraid to fail can you talk about a time when you were cooking or experimenting in the kitchen and it really tested your patience
1: i was trying to make beef stock one time and i have a very hot stove i used to before i replaced the one i have now it was an electric stovetop and I forgot to put the grate at the bottom of my stock pot. I put the beef bones in and brought it to a roaring boil, left the room and ended up sticking to the bottom. And then (laughs) I fell asleep and everything burnt. Everything was smoky in the house and I couldn't get that burnt smell out for about a week. So it took me a little while but ultimately I think patience being that virtue, I tried it again in about a month and I actually it worked out well so I felt defeated for a little while but then it came around to be a good thing
0: and you hop back onto that horse pretty quickly I mean it only took you about a month to try it again yeah. So good on you now we all have busy schedules and sometimes cooking can feel like more of a chore than something that's fun or enjoyable what are some ways that you found to bring fun back into cooking
1: well I cook a lot with friends for one and a glass of wine never hurts either. I think my favorite part about cooking is really experimenting with new ingredients and opening them up to their best. For instance, I was in the peppercorn aisle of a spice store down the street from us that really centers around spices from Africa and the Caribbean, and I found some long peppercorns, and I said, you know, I really don't feel like cooking tonight, if I get this new ingredient then it'll probably pick up my interest and I'll go for it. Because in my own philosophy and making every bite count, I'm not going to do something halfway. I'm going to go the whole way and do it. So the long peppercorns on a roasted chicken was a good way of really picking up my motivation to do something that night for cooking.
0: Awesome. Well, here at the Dinner Special, we talk with food heroes about dinner dishes that are special to them and how we can make it at home. Can you talk about a dish that is special to you and maybe a little bit about the story behind the dish?
1: Sure. I would say my special dish is probably paella. It's not something that we eat a lot. It's not something that we see around a lot, but it's a comfort food, I call it, for every season. It's a dish that typically is made outside over a wood fire, and it feeds a ton of people. I have a pan that is 22 and half inches wide that feeds about 30 to 40 people. And every summer I throw a party where I actually take it outside, I cook it over a wood oven, And I feed a lot of people. There's a lot of wine flowing. It's comfort food. So, you know, most people enjoy eating it. And it's something you can really modify to the crowd. So if you have a crowd that's really liking seafood, you can make it a seafood paella. Or if you have a crowd that's vegetarian, you can also do that. And I think with that, my only suggestion to people is don't skimp on the ingredients. Try to buy the highest quality ingredients you can. And try to include everything. Saffron. You know, you only add a pinch, it's very expensive, but a pinch will take you a long way. And you really can't replace it in the dish.
0: Right, I think I saw a picture of that on your website where you had it outside in this massive pan and this like roaring fire going on.
1: It gets very warm too.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that looked really intimidating to me. Like how long did it take you to sort of master that sort of skill of cooking it outdoor in that massive pan? Well,
1: I have a smaller one that I practiced on about a month before I threw my first party just to make sure that everything would work out. And it actually ended up being pretty well received the first time around. So I was pretty prepared for the party the second time. You can cook it inside too on a stovetop if you have a small enough vessel. And that kind of helps with the doneness of the ingredients as you add them. It's a layering process. So, there's a lot of steps involved, but once you do it two or three times, you kind of understand them, and then you can apply it to bigger applications like an outdoor fire.
0: It just looks a lot more fun doing it outside with an open fire. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Now, if you could invite any three famous people over to share your paella with, who would you invite? Definitely Jacques Pepin. I'd want
1: him to stand over me and probably critique me on my methods and techniques. Like I said earlier, he's the master of technique, and I think he's probably one of the better teachers that I've ever watched on TV or on YouTube. As far as my second one, I would say probably President Obama, only because I would, political reasons aside, I would want to see how my paella stacked up against the one that the White House chef cooks. And number three, I would say probably Abe Lincoln. I'm from Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, and even though he's long gone, I'd want to talk with him about the evolution of food in his time as the war was going on.
0: Right. Now, let's say that you had Abe Lincoln, President Obama, and Jacques Pepin over for your paella. And this was actually a dinner and a movie situation. What movie would you pair with your paella?
1: Probably A Life Aquatic, only because it's my favorite movie. And I would want to see how other people reacted to that kind of quirkiness of the director. And Bill Murray is the man. He's a great guy in any film. So I'd want to see them all react to his acting style.
0: Perfect. Now, I call the next part of the Dinner Special podcast, The Pressure Cooker. I'm going to ask you seven fast and fun questions that we want to know your answers to. Are you up for it? I am. Awesome. Number one, you kind of answered this a little bit. Which food shows or cooking shows do you watch? Jacques Pépin. <laughs> my man. Essential Pépin is probably my
1: favorite show that he has done. I also watched More Fast Food My Way and Jacques and Julia when they were together. It's old and the, the resolution isn't great, but those three are very high up there. Beyond that, Good Eats has always been my my really sort
0: of go-to. Great. Number 2, what are some food blogs or websites we have to know about? Well, I have to Throw this out to Elena Rosemond Herr
1: of Biscuits and Such. She's a dear friend of my wife and mine, and she really is a really strong motivation to get the food blog started. Her pictures and her writing are just incredible, and she's an amazing cook. We see each other uh, a few times a year, and we always throw it down in the kitchen, and her results are, oh, man, mind-blowing. Her biscuits are off the hook.
0: Awesome. Number three, who do you follow on Pinterest, Instagram, or Facebook that make you happy? I'll even include YouTube. Instagram, I follow a guy called The Creepy Chef. He's a
1: line cook out in California, and it reminded me of my days, my short-lived in the kitchen as a line cook. And he makes some really incredible dishes. I also follow Mind of a Chef, and they put out some really cool but like also very industrious types of food pictures. Chef Steps is another one I follow a lot. They have a blog, an Instagram page, and they put together really, really cool but very technology-forward foods, and the pictures and the food staging that they present is really amazing.
0: That was Chef Steps, right? Yes. Awesome. Number four, what is the most unusual or treasured item you have in your kitchen? Probably,
1: I would have to say, My immersion circulator, which I've already spoken to, like I said, it's just really versatile. And I think anybody can use it from beginner to advanced, even though it's too expensive, but a more pricey piece of equipment you would use in your kitchen. I'd recommend if you like to cook, whether you just started or you are an expert chef, master chef, that this is probably an essential tool to have. And it's quite
0: unusual. People are really impressed when you pull it out. Cool. Number five. Name one ingredient you used to dislike that you now love. Peas.
1: Frozen peas, which I actually put in a lot of things. You can add those to a dish right at the end, and because the surface area to mass ratio is really quite large, they cook very fast. You can put them in a meal with potatoes, with carrots, any other type of vegetable. Peas and carrots, I know, kind of cliche, but actually that's one thing I've really learned to like. His peas have a subtle saltiness to them that
0: I really enjoy. Number six, what are a few cookbooks that make your life better?
1: I really like David Chang's Momofuku. What that does for me is really takes me outside of the traditional American realm, as diverse as it is already, but it gives you real insight into some of the techniques and ingredients that he uses in his kitchen in New York or several of his kitchens in New York, he has several restaurants, and really introduces me to a lot of the Japanese methods and ingredients. I'm a big fan of Japanese food and this kind of helps me refine my own style in that type of cuisine.
0: Great. And finally, number seven, what song or album just makes you want to cook?
1: I cook a lot to Andrew Bird. He's a violinist and kind of a one-man orchestra, if you will. He has a plethora of music styles within his own band, and they take you from highs to lows, fast to slow. And he really kind of picks me up in a pinch and helps me get motivated to cook.
0: Cool. Well, congratulations, Aaron. You have officially survived the pressure cooker. <laughs> Aaron. Thank you so much for joining me here on the Dinner Special Podcast. You're all over social media. What's the best way for us to keep posted with what you're up to?
1: Always check my Facebook. That's my go-to. Instagram, I always post my links under my pictures there. And between those two, you should be able to find me.
0: Well, of course, the website is feedthepan.com. And we'll definitely check you out on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you so much, Aaron. It's been fun. I hope you had a good time. I
1: absolutely did. Thank you, Gabriel.
0: Thank you so much for listening. Head over to thedinnerspecial.com for recipes, highlights from every show, super blog articles, and all the wonderful ways to keep in touch on social media. Your culinary journey awaits, so let's get cooking.